Get ready for Ready Radio with Doug and Aaron. It's emergency preparedness for everyone. Brought to you by True Prep. For all your prepping needs, visit True Prep online at truprep.com or visit a True Prep store in Roswell or Marietta. Listen in as Doug and Aaron provide helpful tips on how to get ready. Ready or not, here comes Ready Radio. Good morning, everybody. You're listening to Ready Radio on this our New Year's edition. Uh, it's not quite New Year's Eve. It's Saturday, and everybody's waking up, getting over the, the Christmas rush and looking ahead for New Year's Eve parties. And then, of course, the back to work and back to reality special that comes up on January 2nd. But, you know, here we are getting ready for the, the last end of the, the holiday season. We've had a happy Hanukkah. We've had a Merry Christmas. And we've gained all the weight we could. Absolutely. And our feasting and, and eating our roast beast. And here here we are now at the end of the year. And this is a good time for for introspection and reflection you know it's a time to make you know new new year's resolutions and to start thinking about getting in shape and and getting your financial house in order i mean look, listen to all the commercials we hear now about credit counseling because everyone's maxed out their cards for gifts and about you know how to get your your life back in order and shape after this binge of the holiday season we've been on but you know i, I was listening to a really interesting conversation this last week and the idea that the the christmas holiday season in in being a binge time of year for spending and for indulging in food and, and, and taking time off from work and relaxing is very cathartic for the soul. And it actually keeps us from spending more year-round because we look at this as, a, as like a pressure release valve. It's like, yeah, I really spent enough on Christmas. So I know we're on vacation, but we're not going to the, the Ripley's Aquarium this year, kids, because... We just don't have the money for it. I got to make a credit card payment. Well, you know that—that's some of it. But you know, I think that if we didn't have, if there wasn't a Christmas spending time, that everybody would be end up spending a little more every single month, and it would be more that they would end up spending more than what they spend on Christmas. So basically, you're saying thanks to Christmas, not everyone is a spendaholic. We just have a few. Yeah, and the idea is is that it's kind of like I mean, even Weight Watchers sets up cheat days right i mean the, the idea is is that there there are some times when you can just go off your diet and enjoy it and that's fine and it's that release valve that keeps us kind of sane because you have a way of of letting it out and christmas is a time of year you know the end of december whatever religion you are whatever you practice doesn't matter it's a time of year when we all kind of go out and buy some extra gifts and there are big sales and people feel good about it and it's socially acceptable to binge on food and on spending and on relaxation and that's the other thing is that the christmas time of year is a time of relaxing where you can kind of put on hold you know the big projects and you say well you know it's it's the end of the year that we're not going to be doing this right now we're going to pick it back up in january and hit it full force then and in my line of work you know as an attorney i see that all the time the judges take off the attorneys take off everybody takes off nobody wants to do squat the last two weeks of december and then january 2nd you start getting all these court notices like you know you're on for a trial on every single case because we want to get things moving again we want to get it moving before summer because they want to be able to take their summer vacations too though right and who doesn't right so i mean and you know you most people i think get 
and that may not be true anymore, but at least in my field, most people get two weeks vacation or more every year depending on how long you've been doing it. And you take, you know, a week off at Christmas and you take a week off in the summer when the kids are out of school. And, you know, it's another time that you get to spend with family. You can really devote time to the kids and devote time to each other and devote time to seeing friends you don't see, you know, throughout the rest of the year because everybody's busy. But this is a time to slow down and reflect. And now we've gotten, we're, we're done with Christmas. We're coming up on New Year's. And New Year's is, is the end of the introspection period. I, I see New Year's Eve as being the time when you look back at what has happened this last year and you start to look forward. And this we is make the, plans for our future, which is why everybody says, oh, well, my New Year's resolution is to blah, blah, blah. Yep. Just like Dracula. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. My, what is your New Year's resolution this year? My New Year's year? resolution is to blah, 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 blah. Your New Year's resolution <laughs> is to grow an epic beard, right? Actually, um, my, my plan is to cut it off on New Year's Day. Really? Not, not You're entirely. You're going to trim it? Go back down to the goatee like I did back in my youth well, when New I was Day. 12. That's, that's kind of the idea. I bounced the idea off the kids. My son says... Yeah, it'd be okay, Dad. My daughter says, Dad, I love your beard. And I was like, um, hmm. Yeah, they get a little attached. Well, you know, it is an epic beard. She probably plays in it like petting the kitty, right? No, she doesn't pet it like a cat. <laughs> I would. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this, this, this is a time, yes, to look back and to look forward. And that, that's the, the, the key part of all this is if you don't have hope, if you're not looking forward to a good year, if you're not looking forward to things getting better, if you don't have a positive outlook on things improving, then what is the point? I mean, what is the point of living if you don't have the, the opportunity for things to improve? Well, you know, I was just thinking the other day about the, the year 2000 New Year's. Mm-hmm. Um, year, New Year's 1999 going into 2000. Yes. And how everybody was like in a state of panic. And it wasn't just like looking back at the past, but it was looking back at the past and realizing that we could repeat it like back to the Stone Age mm -hmm. because of a computer programming glitch. Mm -hmm. And how many people <laughs> I knew that never prepared for anything in the day for, for a day in their life and still are very unprepared for everything now had like rations of food and, and water in the closet i have a y2k story i think i've told it before a long time ago on this show but when when y2k happened i was i was young i was living at home and i was just it was just before i graduated from high school and I was sick with the flu. I mean sick. It was the sickest I had ever been at that point in my life. I felt horrid. And so I'm laying on the couch in the basement, and my mom comes down, and she's like, well, you know, it's New Year's Eve. Is there anything you want? And I said, water. She's like, okay, I'll go get you a glass. I'm like, no. I, the, the smell of the water in our house, it had a little bit of a, 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 a you know, iron smell to it, would have been enough to make me lose it. So I said, I, I have to have really clean water go get me some distilled water because it won't have anything in it no odors no nothing she's like okay so she ran out to the store and got me a gallon of distilled water and she's checking out and the clerk looks at her with her one gallon of distilled water you know it's like eleven fifty-five, and she says you know i don't think one gallon is going to be enough for y2k one gallon one gallon well, i'm of planning prepping. on using this for survival for like uh, 15 minutes <laughs> But yeah, that, there's my Y2K story, being sick as a dog as the rest of the world celebrated watching the clock. See, I have the, the Y2K story of my mother and my grandmother decided that this was going to be the end of the world. And they bought 
uh, probably 500 gallons of water in, in jugs, in cases, and transported this for the next six months, a little bit at a time, to the house and put it in a storage building. Uh-huh. And they bought powdered eggs, and I bet my mother is still eating these powdered eggs. Do you know if True Prep is still doing their deal with powdered egg bags? I have no idea. I, I don't either. I know that a while back that they had a deal if you bought a certain amount of Mountain House food, you'd get a free bag of powdered eggs that was valued at like $22. So it was a huge savings. But that's what we need, powdered eggs. Yeah, you know, that, that's a great thing. You can just add water and away you go. She made those after Y2K. When, when Y2K was a flop, she's like, what am I going to do with all this food? And I'm like, eat it. Eat it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she didn't go grocery shopping for a very long time after that. I'm talking, she had freeze-dried meat, uh, cans of tuna, soups. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. It was crazy. Chef Boyardee. Chef Boyardee at the rear end. I like Chef Boyardee. I don't. I know you don't, but I, I think that it's actually not bad. I, I, it's what I grew up with. I don't like Chef Boyardee, and I don't like Sloppy Joe. No, I don't care for Sloppy Joe's. Sloppy Joe's for a different reason. My mom would make that stuff homemade instead of using Sloppy Joe styles. And all I can remember is the smell of scorched ketchup. I, I can't do ketchup. I can never. I mean, even like on French fries and stuff, once in a blue moon I'll try it. But I would much rather have barbecue sauce than ketchup any day of the week. Barbecue twice sauce has more Sunday. flavor. But anyway, you know, I was thinking about how a, a predicted circumstance like Y2K, they're, they're predicting that there's going to be mass failure of computer systems. It's going to go back to the Stone Age, and the computers are going to think that they never had the data to begin with and lose all their data, which is which was absurd. And it was somebody's way of selling some updates. But uh, how Remember, something like that that's that's pre... Um, pre-packaged, pre-sold, pre-delivered. Yeah, it's pre-sold fear could make people prepare for an event that may or may not happen. Mm-hmm. And so why is it that we know that the un, untold things happen every day, you know, like the, the car fires, the, car fires, the, the tornadoes, the, the house fires, the and job we, losses. We're not prepared every day. But when something like Y2K is predicted, we go, oh, shoot, we don't have enough bottled water. We need about 500 gallons of water because we're going to need to eat and bathe and, and drink and we're going to need water i th- i think it's just basic human psychology to to look at this and say you know here's something that we can can take control of in an uh a uncertain or unfamiliar world and it's easier to think about things in in those context that you know here's an event that we can get ready for rather than the the unpredictable it will never happen to me philosophy well i mean the unpredictable it will never happen to me philosophy is what causes people to be completely unprepared i mean they don't even have a band-aid jumper cables jumper cables yeah well not exactly i mean a lot of people ride around without jumper cables in their car just because they believe that their car is new car and you know it's reliable or whatever but i believe that that jumper cables are a pretty integral part of of something you carry in a car along with an extra quart of oil and a a blanket in case you're broken down but anyway i'm a little ocd about these things my dad taught us to be very prepared anyway we're coming up on a commercial break all right folks so um as we're fading out to the commercial break uh stay tuned we're going to talk more about y2k and ways that you can be better prepared in in y 215. Uh, you're listening to Ready Radio right here on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town. 
And now back to Ready Radio with Doug and Aaron. So, folks, you're listening to Ready Radio, and and what one of the things that we're talking about today is you know how to be better prepared in 2015 and things that you can do to get ready. I think the biggest thing staring us in the face coming up in January and February and, and possibly even in early March here in the South and definitely across the rest of the country and our listening audience you know nationwide is the weather. I mean you know the the songs that we've been listening to over the last couple of weeks is the weather outside is frightful and it's going to be frightful winter. Well, you know we have all the things that would predict a bad winter. You know the woolly worms have dark dark spot in the middle of them and there's spoons in the persimmon seeds and and all these things that the old people would use to predict a, a, a bad winter coming my friend mark has got aches and pains all over so that means that there's definitely going to be a bad winter don't tell his heart his achy breaky heart <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, we, we've got, you know, a lot of indications. You know, the Farmer's Almanac, all of the weather models that have been predicting have been saying that we're going to have, uh, at least in the, the southeast, an increased likelihood of snow. And good Lord, you see what happens when you get snow in Georgia. I mean, it's like the world ends. And then you've got, you know, up in the Pacific Northwest, they're predicting a, a much wetter year than, than normal. Uh, we've already had one blast of, of the Arctic tundra coming down from, from Alaska. You know, a, a typhoon hit the Alaska. Alaskan coast and bent the jet stream down from from Canada and brought our record cold temps to Georgia and to the Great Lakes and we saw that enough snow was dumped on New York to shut down the football games and cause pure havoc every which way people looked from the the feet of snow and the tons of snow that had to be removed from the Buffalo Bills Stadium. I mean, it's been a really impressive winter all year and we we've only been in winter for what like five days did you see the buffalo bills stadium they were offering free tickets to anybody that would come and shovel it and out. 10 bucks an hour and 10 bucks an hour see i don't think i'd have been able to pass that up if my back could handle some shoveling yeah well you know shoveling is is quite a pain that's from a from an old minnesotan here trust me you say it's a pain in the back or pain in somewhere else it's a pain any which place you can point to it's a pain there <laughs> I I never even had a snowblower. I grew up without a snowblower. I shoveled that by hand. Every time I had to go out and shovel, it was by hand. And I'm telling you, there is not much worse thing in life than having to go shovel full after shovel full of wet, damp snow. And you throw it, and it gets so heavy, it actually collapses in on itself on the sides. Yeah. I remember the blizzard of 1996, and I was living in West Virginia with my dad and my stepmother, and it had snowed three feet. And we were out of school for like two weeks because they couldn't get it all cleaned up. It took weeks just to get the roads scraped. And the temperature stayed cold and the snow stayed. But my dad managed to get back and forth to work. This man never missed a day of work in his life. I, I, I remember him going to work just sick as a dog. And he would go in that horrible snow. And he put me to, to scrape in the, the driveway with a snow shovel and to scooping out the road to the main road the road was probably 120 feet mm-hmm. where we lived down the road 120 feet down to to get back up to the main road mm-hmm. and he made me shovel it out for him wow and i know under my breath i called him everything but a nice father <laughs> yeah i there there are few tasks as less enjoyable in life than shoveling snow, which is probably why they were begging people to come shovel out their stadium. I, I think in the end they had to cancel that game. Nobody wanted to do that. They're like, free ticket? No, thank you. Well, you know, it is a Buffalo Bills game, so I guess there's kind of a... Anyway, so 
um, you know, it's been a bad winter. We think it's going to continue to get worse, especially in the southeast. And we've, you know, got all of this coming up. So last year we had snowpocalypse here in Atlanta. I know snowpocalypse. Eric, you, you're talking about your one inch of snow they yeah, got in Atlanta here. Absolutely, you were here for that, weren't no, you? No, I wasn't. I was in Toledo, Ohio, in almost two and a half feet of snow, watching you guys slide around on one inch. Yeah, well, and was, laughing <laughs> hysterically at, at the one inch of snow when I, I drove. In that storm, I drove from up near Detroit down to Toledo, which was it's like an hour drive. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's two and a half feet of snow in an hour drive. It's, it's like a four and a half hour drive. Well, you know, with as with most prepping topics, I don't think it's actually the disaster that causes the havoc. I think it's the other people's reaction to the disaster. Oh. If you look at Hurricane Katrina... You know, the the biggest problems there were the people looting and the people living in the Superdome and all of the havoc caused by the people, not so much the havoc, havoc from the storm. caused by the people. The government put them in the Superdome. Let's be real. That havoc was not caused by the people. Well, the people now, in... The unpreparedness was caused by the people. If they would have just stocked up some food and water and locked down their houses with some some boards, they, they would might have been okay in some instances. Of course, there were parts of that city that were completely flooded. Yes. And you couldn't stay in your house. It was dangerous. Well, there were parts of Smyrna that were completely flooded just, you know, about, oh, my goodness, I guess it's been about six or seven years since the, the huge rainstorm we had here. That With the flooded. tornadoes? Do you remember the tornado that hit downtown I Atlanta? do remember the tornado that hit the World Congress Center, which is neither worldly nor congressional. Nor congressional, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I do. <laughs> I do remember the tornadoes. But there was this – we had one storm, and I want to say it was back in 2006 or 2007. It flooded Six Flags. Yeah, flooded Six Flags, flooded most of Smyrna and the I-20 area. And But there wasn't the widespread looting and panic, even though their houses completely underwater and people were going around in their, their duck boats picking people up off roofs. There still wasn't the, the level of panic because – The people here, just in that situation, they were a lot calmer about it than what happened there. And I think that it goes a a lot for the the type of people that are in the area, their their education level, their poverty level. Let's let's be fair because, you know, around Six Flags Drive, and I, I have lots of friends who are police officers, and I've done criminal defense work in this area, Six Flags Drive is a rough, rough place. The There's a lot of apartment complexes there. The education level is lower. The social economic indicators are of a, let's say, extremely lower middle class to, to poverty level inhabitants. So, okay, so let's compare that to Ponce. Is that a neighborhood similar to the bad sections of Ponce over near the Murder Kroger? I, I don't know the Ponce area well enough to be able to, to say. I mean, there are some areas over there in the Stone Mountain area that are that bad. but And then there are some, you know, nicer enclaves in the Six Flags area. But still, I mean, it is a lower social economic structured area. And for a lot of reasons. There's lots of, you know, small, um, very cheap single-family housing there's lots of apartment complexes and i think that and although i haven't been to you know the ninth parish or or through new orleans but i would imagine that socioeconomically that they're not that far apart you'd be amazed at some of the the sections of new orleans and and how poverty stricken it was pre-katrina pre-katrina um, Post Katrina, a lot of those people didn't even bother to come back, so those places are kind of empty. Yeah, they moved into Atlanta. 
a lot of them did come here for refuge. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister's an apartment complex manager, and and her complex she worked at at the time took in several families from Katrina that were uh, refugees from Katrina. So. Yeah. And that's an interesting word because most of the time we don't apply refugee status to people in the U.S. I mean, we're the most, you know, economically stable, well-developed country in the world. They were seeking refuge from something that happened to them. They, in my mind, most definitely were kind of refugees from something bad. And I think that that's a very appropriate term to apply, but it's not the first word that we think of as Americans. We don't have refugees here, but we do. And in a big enough disaster, that's going to be more and more prevalent. But, you know, there there is a mindset issue here, and the people in New Orleans had a different mindset for the similar amount of flooding than the people in, you know, Smyrna to Six Flags Drives did. It's not a similar amount of flooding. We're talking about the city of New Orleans is down in a bowl, and a, a lot of the city was flooded. It was a huge section of the city. Mm-hmm. Here, these people were able to get out and go to higher ground and seek shelter and, and go somewhere else. Those people had no shelter because the power was out for the whole city. The whole city had been hit by a tornado. So it's not really similar circumstances. It's apples to oranges. Okay. I just, I remember the people being on their rooftops and I remember them, you know, total devastation. Yeah, total devastation. But And here there was some total devastation. But in the same token here, you could drive five miles away from where you were and be in an area where it was dry. There was hotels and there was electricity. Mm-hmm. For those people in, in New Orleans, there had been such massive wind damage from that tornado hurricane. or hurricane, from that hurricane, that you couldn't drive five miles and get a motel with electricity. You, you couldn't go to your friend that lived across town because they didn't have electricity either. There was no refuge. There was no conveniences anymore so that's why the looting began is because they have no way to cook food and and a lot of them their food had been spoiled they had this stuff in their fridge that they were planning to cook for dinner so what do you do well you start looting and you start looking for that tuna in a can and that chef boyardee Mm -hmm. and that's the difference in in what happened in new orleans these people were looting water and food yeah. And here, they, they drive across town to a friend's house and, and stay and, the night and go to McDonald's. And, and looting new bicycles and BB guns and driving them through the Walmart. Well, I mean, they had to protect themselves. It gets to be rough or rough circumstances. So, you know, they looted a BB gun and a, and a bicycle and rode it through the Walmart so they could protect what they had looted, the food they had looted. So other people wouldn't steal from them. I mean, hard, <laughs> harsh times cause harsh people harsh behavior and harsh people right we're coming up on a commercial break here well folks uh stay tuned we're going to talk a little bit more about how to be prepared in 2015 and coming up in our last segment the true prep product of the week you're listening to ready radio right here on news talk 1160 the talk of the town and now back to ready radio with doug and aaron Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Ready Radio. And, you know, we've been talking today about how to be better prepared. And, you know, we've had the discussion about the upcoming winter. We talked a little bit about Hurricane Katrina and how, you know, the different levels of preparedness result in people behaving differently. And, and you know, looking back at Y2K, you know, we were talking about how we've all known people who stocked up for that and it didn't come to fruition. And so then they were living off of their preps for so long. You know, a better way of prepping, a, a better way of being prepared is to not – 
you know, go hog wild on things that you've never had before, never used before, but instead to incorporate preparedness into your daily life in such a way that it isn't going out and buying, you know, you know, 10 years worth of freeze-dried food, but having some freeze-dried food on hand that you use when you go camping or when you do, you know, you have different activities where you incorporate it into your daily life so it's constantly being rotated and restocked. And instead of simply having, you know, three days or five days worth of food in your house, you plan to have a month's worth of food that you rotate in and out and keep a well-stocked pan. And by doing this, you're always prepared and you're always using it. And there's no shock to your system when you have to convert over to, you know, emergency rations because there isn't really an emergency ration. It's just your everyday living. See, I think it's also important to consider how you would cook these items should you have a power outage if you don't have a generator. Mm -hmm. And to make sure that you have items that could be prepared in a power outage without much hassle say you should have to light a fire in your fireplace how would you heat the water to make ramen noodles right are you going to force your children to eat those dry until the power comes back on how are you going to warm up to chef boyardee i mean some people eat it cold which is i mean it's disgusting either way but well i'll tell you one thing that uh, dangling the tin can over the fire is not the best method and setting the tin can on the grill without opening it is not the best method. Yeah. You've got to open it to warm yeah, it up. I, I've, I don't know why, but I had tried to do that with baked beans one time, and I took the label off and everything, but it still tasted like burnt rubber. It's because it burnt to the inside of the can, and those cans are coated on the inside with some kind of white. I don't, I'm not really sure what the white stuff is. But I would say that that's probably why it tasted funny. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got to have uh, separate cooking vessels. You need to have a plan for being able to heat everything. You need to have uh, – what it all boils down to is just having an idea of how you would do things and how to keep normalcy. And that's always been a a driving tenet of the show is to strive for normalcy. You know, we're not advocating people to go out and build a bunker. We're not advocating people to go out and, and, you know, stock up on things that they've never tasted, never tried, never used. We want you to start to think about being prepared. And, 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 you know, we had a show on, on vacations last summer where we talked about, you know, as you, you're going on your vacation, use the vacation as an opportunity to try to, you know, be better prepared. How would you do this in an emergency? And can you function without all of the little gadgets and conveniences? Yeah, that's what my dad would take us on vacations and teach us survival skills that we didn't even realize he was teaching us survival skills, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how to make a, a spear out of a, a stick, how, how to pitch a a tent in the woods when you don't even have a tent you know you can build your own shelters and and my dad taught us a lot of those things on our vacations he was teaching us survival skills but even in our everyday life there were life lessons of survival skills from canning to cooking to to planting our own gardens we learned how to be good stewards of what we had Mm -hmm. which was our property and 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 grow our own food and, and put it up for the winter Exactly. And it's and, very and important to teach your kids these things. It's the incorporation of, of this sort of stuff as a lifestyle, not as, you know, a, a backup plan or an emergency plan. Because, you know, we, we go through our daily lives, and if you just if you did one thing each day to be a little better prepared, and I don't mean buy one thing each day, but do something each day. And buying something is, is great. I mean, that's a great way to be able to, to ensure your survival. But unless you're doing you're not actually going to be learning. Well, and when we're looking at these buying things, okay, 
So unless you're actually like taking these things to your bug out location and dropping them off and leaving them there, uh-huh. all these things you buy are pointless. Because if you're stocking them up, I mean, a bug out bag, okay, I'm cool with. Uh-huh. But you want to have these these things to where either you're able to, to sustain where you are or in the location where you plan to sustain. Right. And I see a lot of people like stocking up and then should there be some kind of huge disaster, then they would have to pack it all up and move it. And they don't it's even... It's very they, heavy. Yeah, and they've got a Prius or something. A Prius or, yeah, a, a, a Prius. No tr- no truck with a trailer to move it, no camper, you know. Eh, I don't think, I don't see how really the, the preps are that valuable at that point unless they're in the location where you plan on hiding from the government takeover or the or the... Anything. Huge I mean, disaster, natural you know, disaster. The, that, that, I always think about, you know, a flood. And you've got all this food in your house and it gets flooded. And then what are you going to do? You know? You're going to be down there sifting through the sewage and trying to pull the, the cans of food out and clean them somehow before you open them? Gross. Yeah. Because well, it, it could be sewage covered. That's the reason you don't drink the water during a flood. And that's the reason. Berkey. Even then, I would be iffy. I'm real weird about that. You know, give me some bottled water. But no matter what you do, you're going to have to clean it because it's going to be contaminated on the outside. And you cut into it to open the can with a can opener, yeah. and you've just contaminated everything. The whole can. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of problems there. So then you get in, you know, it's about putting all your eggs in one basket. So you're going to have to distribute your supplies through a couple of locations. But then you also have a plan, have to have a plan of action to get from one, lo- one location to another. And let's say that you want to have two weeks' worth of food. Well, if you're going to do this across two locations, that means you actually have to have a month's worth of food because you need two weeks at each location. So, I mean, it, there's a lot of logistics and, and strategy that has to go into this on, on what you're preparing for. You also got to remember say you have a lot of freezer items at one of the locations you have a generator but you want to make sure that that generator generator is set up to start immediately without you there yeah that it can sense the outage and, and crank and some can but if you're not there then your your two weeks stash of food that was in that deep freezer is gone and then what do you have you have nothing so dry goods are and, Very important to have. And what happens if the disaster is such that it not only damages the electrical grid, bringing in power from the grid, but it also damages the generator? Then you you need to have some dry goods because you can still build a fire. Say there's a, a EMP, electromagnetic pulse, you can still build a fire. You still have those abilities to, to survive like the caveman did. Mm-hmm. But see, other than our dwellings that are left, we're, we're right back into the Stone, Stone Age. Age. Yeah, and I don't see very many people with the ability to carve a Shulian hand axes anymore. I took anthropology a lot in college, so I actually had to to. I just chip. got this p- mental image of you trying to make an arrowhead out of flint I, when you said that. I, I had to chip an Shulian hand axe once for a project for one of the classes. Yeah. This, this mental image of you trying to chip flint to make an axe just makes me giggle. I don't know. Uh, there's something about Doug and the beard. And, oh, oh, oh. Well, you know, the interesting <laughs> thing was you know, I had studied these hand axes. And what, what it is is it's basically a semicircle with a, a large 
prominent place on the top to grip on. So it, it, it's, you know, a half circle, and you can use it for slicing or for skinning or for chopping. And it's got a very sharp blade because flint creates, you know, when you chip it just right, you get a very sharp edge. And when I moved to Alaska, we were staying at the Ship Creek Holiday Inn, and right next door was the Great Alaskan um, Ulu Factory. And I was like, oh, I wonder what that is. So I go over there, and here is a semicircle blade attached to a prominent handle. It looks exactly like an Acheulean hand axe. And I was like, that's really interesting. What what are these? And they said, well, it's a traditional uh, cutting instrument of the native people of Alaska. And it's designed for cutting and chopping and skinning and doing all of the work. And the beauty of it is that it puts the 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 strongest part of your hand directly over the middle of the blade so that you can really cut through sinews and bones, whatever you have to, really hard. And it's just you know an improvement on the Acheulean hand axe, which was, you know, dates back to 20,000 years ago when human beings were in the Stone Age and they had come up with this brilliant idea back then on the right way to, to design a cutting tool. And it's the most versatile, multi-purpose cutting tool I've ever seen. But, yeah, the ability of people to take a piece of flint and chip it and use it and, I mean, we don't know what we're doing anymore. No, no, we don't. And, and that's a, a good vacation point is, is take a vacation and go somewhere where you can learn some stuff like that. And, uh, and a lot of the Indian reservations, you can see a lot of demonstrations of these things. Cherokee, North Carolina is somewhere I send people to see how a arrowhead is made. Mm-hmm. It's good information, and, and children really enjoy these trips. Well, you know, uh, right here in Atlanta, Stone Mountain Park has a working forge, and you can go to their, their Stone Mountain Village inside the park and watch a blacksmith, you know, forge steel and fold it over multiple times to make Damascus steel and make a, a blade or make something useful you right know, there. My uncle was a blacksmith. Really? Yeah. He, would, he does demonstrations at a park there in North Carolina, where he lives, mm-hmm. um, historical demonstrations on, on how to make things out of metal. And, and one of the things he does is makes nails and lets kids take a nail home. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, well, you know, that was one of the biggest advantages of modern machining processes that we were able to go from nails to screws, which are, are much, you know, much more labor intensive. But having machinery that can make screws is really important, too, because that, that allows you to fasten things much more solidly for, for years and years and years of use. Folks, we're coming up on a commercial break. You're listening to Ready Radio right here on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town. And now back to Ready Radio with Doug and Aaron. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Ready Radio, and we've really enjoyed this, you know, time that we've spent this Saturday morning talking about, you know, the past and the future and how you can be better prepared. You know, looking at the the coming, you know, 2015, it's really a thought that we have been here for so long and trying to get people excited about prepping and about everything that we can do here to be better prepared and to be more Jeffersonian and to be more involved in our lives and connect with the earth. And and we really enjoy the comments and, and information we get back from all of our listeners. You know, you can reach out to us via email. You can email Aaron, E-R-I-N, at readyradio.net or Doug at readyradio.net. Um, you can reach out to, at me at my law firm if you have any 
questions legally at Doug at KingsLawOffice.com or visit KingsLawOffice.com. Uh, Ready Radio is always up online at ReadyRadio.net where you can get n- news and information related to prepping, listen to old shows, or reach out to us through the contact info on the website. Uh, visit our sponsors over at True Prep up on 1000 Cobb Parkway North in Marietta. They're, they've got a, a booming business of everything you need in pre- that's prepping related. We're on Facebook and Twitter, and, and there's every social media outlet that you can imagine we're, we're connected to and trying to get more people involved with prepping. And, and the good people at True Prep, you know, they're our keynote sponsors and, and help us every week with, with getting the show done. You know, they've got great products there, and every week we highlight one product that, that's in stock and that's important. And, you know, talking about the Acheulean hand axes really highlights the need with me to have, you know, good cutting instruments. And while True Prep carries an extensive line of knives and tools, one that just breaks out to me, especially given our discussion, is a camp axe. And that's something that everyone should keep in the trunk of their car. You know, not a giant wood splitting axe or something to cut down a tree, but just a hatchet that's about the size of your fist with a, a, a handle that's less than the length of your forearms for, you know, doing close-up work and light work. And Fiskars makes a great hand axe like this that has a small head and a, a uh, carbon fiber or, or um, fiberglass handle that's going to last for decades. And it's not only good for chopping up wood, but it's also perfect for splitting a head open should there be the zombie apocalypse and you have to destroy the brain. I wouldn't use an axe for that, you honestly. You look appalled. Well, I wouldn't want him to be too close to me, but if I could get up behind it... Yeah. Well, the problem is is that you're going to, just like when you're using a chainsaw to cut through wood, it, it closes back up and then you get it wedged. And I'm afraid that an axe, a small axe like that, particularly in a viscous liquid, would cause it to get suction because it doesn't have a ferrule for letting air get in to release the suction like a good sword or other you know blade that's intended for that use would. Yeah. Yeah. Lose your axe and zombie brain. And then he's walking off with your axe. And you're like, hey, dude, come back. You're like, yo, homie, is that my briefcase? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, the, it's, a, it's a great product. It's something that you should keep in the trunk of your car. You know, it has multiple uses. It's a, a very good tool to have. And it's in stock at True Prep. So just stop in and look at their extensive variety of blades and tools and especially their hand axes. And while you're in there, make sure that you're stocked up with your trunk for the winter just in case you slot wool off blanket. the road. Wool blanket. Not only the wool blanket, but those little reflective metal mylar-looking blankets those things are very awesome. They reflect your body temperature heat back to, back to you. Mm-hmm. And it can be the difference in surviving that night in the cold, slid off the road, or freezing to death. Now, I know that True Prep carried Mylar bags in, in uh, pints, quarts, gallons, and five gallons, but now they carry them in full body size? Human size, yeah. It's not a, mil- <laughs> it's not a bag. It's a Mylar blanket. That's what, they should, that's what they should order, Mylar bags and 55-gallon <laughs> drums. Mylar body bags. slide, right? Yeah, Mylar body bags. Okay, guys at True Prep, this is it. Order some Mylar body bags. They're both good for storing food for up to 30 years and storing And your ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, there's there's lots of things that we can do to be better prepared in 2015 to get into the mindset to get moving and and excited about this. Hopefully, you know, our listeners took us up on on our Christmas list that we offered up the things that you can pick up to get people who aren't really into prepping thinking about it. And now this is the time to kind of bring this message home. And you say, you know, you know, I got you that book on prepping, and you know, do you have any New Year's resolutions? Well, I want to lose 15 pounds. Well, you know, a good way to lose 15 pounds would be to start going on nature hikes and using that. Book 
book about you know astronomy to, when you're out there hiking. And while you're doing this, you could also be looking foraging. at foraging, looking for food that isn't going to stack on the pounds, but it's full of vitamin C or full of you know help your liver or help your immune system, especially now that Georgia. <coughs> has been stricken with the Ebola flu. The Ebola flu. Now, you're trying to start strike fear in the hearts of many, and it's not the Ebola flu. However, this year, dun, dun, dun. the flu vaccine did not work, and a dun, lot dun, dun. of people are out sick right now, and for the past couple of weeks with the flu and i'm just hoping that it does not hit home yeah well i've been watching the the carnage on facebook all of my friends are like i have the flu i have the flu i have the flu no wait it was food poisoning from wendy's but it looked like the flu I was like, do you okay. know what i hear in my head every time i see those posts on facebook dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. and another one bites, bites the dust, dust. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. another one's gone <laughs> yeah for sure uh, I'm dropping like flies. I'm telling you. Last week, I was I was horribly sick. I, I couldn't hardly even get out of bed, and it was this nasty cough and everything else. But you know, I I was it wasn't the flu. It was some sort of upper respiratory deal because I it had was runny, an upper respiratory virus. Yeah, and runny I'm nose. I'm sorry that and, I shared that with you and the cough and everything. But I was over it in about three days. It was I was I no longer. What? I took some of the Nyquil for that. And it really is the coughing, aching, stuffy head fever, so you think you can dance medicine. I think it's, yeah, <laughs> something like that. But, you know, the, 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 what I did instead of NyQuil was echinacea, uh, goldenrod, and heavy doses of vitamin C. It was, and, gold, it was golden seal. Okay. Golden seal, echinacea, golden seal, and vitamin C. You don't want goldenrod. Okay. If you're sneezing. <laughs> <laughs> but it it knocked it out in short order. And the echinacea and golden seal is a powerful mixture if you can get it in a tablet. It's well, amazing. I, I got mine at Walmart, yeah. and it was cheap, mm-hmm. and there we go. I was off to the races. Then there's little caplets and just ground-up powder. You'd, you'd be amazed at what you can use for your own health. You still taking the cinnamon I bought you? I am still taking cinnamon, and it's it's good for blood pressure and for everything else. And blood sugar. It helps regulate your blood sugar along with coconut water helping regulate your blood sugar. I like these the are good things water. to know during the apocalypse, how you can treat these things at home, because you know, medicines may be kind of scarce. Yeah. And, you know, it's also good for, for children because you can do homeopathic things that will knock it out when all of the bottles say, you know, six and up, and you've got a four-year-old with a runny nose. Well, you hit them up with Altoids. And there you go. It's well, gonna. You know, I'm I'm still thinking about that day we got together to to plan for the show, and you gave your son a dose of that medicine, and he spit it across the room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was little noses or something. Yeah, he's like that tastes like cough syrup. Well, it is cough syrup. That's why it tastes like cough syrup. Why didn't you tell me? Because then you would spit it out. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you know, there's there's better tasting things for sure that you can give kids for for colds. And keep them up on their feet and keep them feeling well. You know, and that's something else that, you but know. then again, if you like that peace and quiet, nothing like Benadryl. <laughs> yeah, Benadryl's a cure-all because it just makes everyone go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Sure does. But, you know, these are things that, that come up and, and we think about and we try to get more prepared and more involved and, and take control of our own lives. You know, there may not always be a doctor to run to. Or, you know, you end up taking the kids to the doctor because they've got this horrible cough and the doctor's like, yeah, it'll run its course. Thanks for the, you know, 120 bucks. There we go. And mm-hmm. you're no better off, you know. Or they tell you, yeah, it'll run its course. Go to the store and buy some Triminic. And the Triminic tastes so bad the kids won't take it. Yeah, exactly. Except for your little girl. I've never seen anybody take medicine like that before. 
Well, my my daughter is very trusting. If you tell her she needs to do something, she'll she's just a sweet do girl. It. Yeah, because that trimenic does not taste good at all. Yeah, if you've ever tasted it. And yeah. I, I, you know, I can't get past. I'm, I'm still back on the Nyquil here. After all the years that Nyquil's been out on the market, why and all can't the they make advances, it taste good? Yeah, why they can't make that taste good? I mean, I understand because then all the drunks, we don't want the high school kids drinking it. Yeah, all the <laughs> they, drunks would be out there buying Nyquil. They are Nyquil anyway. Drinks. Well, in some places they are. In some Haven't places, have you heard the, the rap songs about sipping on scissorp? That's about drinking cough syrup. Yeesh. Yeah. No, I have. Uh, to to my credit, I can say that I've never listened to any rap music. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Unfortunately, I live in a world where my ears work to the sounds around me, and mm-hmm. I end up hearing it. But the the cough syrup is it's disgusting, and the Vicks Formula Forty Four is horrible. Yes, that that is rough stuff for sure, and you know it, it really is designed to taste bad to keep people from wanting to drink it. I mean, <sighs> that's the idea behind it. The, the thing that got me was I was so sick and my nose was stopped up and I couldn't taste anything except for the wretched Nyquil. I could still taste it, mm-hmm. and I'm like, why is this the one thing I can still taste? The t- the thing that's torture. Like, couldn't I just taste orange juice and not taste this? Well, think about it from an evolutionary perspective. Your body, you know, no matter how sick you are, your body's going to warn you when something tastes bad. Because if it tastes bad, it's probably bad for you. <laughs> no kidding. So the last thing you lose is the ability to, to know that things are bad for you. So, folks, you know, we're, we're coming up on a new year. Take a minute to think about how to be better prepared. Think about going over to True Prep, making a few purchases there to get you on your way. Invest in yourself. Be a a more independent person and you've been listening to ready radio right here on news talk 1160 the talk of the town you've been listening to ready radio with doug and aaron it's emergency preparedness for everyone brought to you by true prep for all your prepping needs visit true prep online at truprep.com or visit a true prep store in roswell or marietta tune in each week as doug and aaron get you ready for anything that comes your way Ready Radio, Saturday mornings at 8, only on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.